0: Lord God, open our ears, open our hearts, speak to us, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. So today we find ourselves in week two of our Abraham series here at Connect uh, where we're examining four key moments or key events uh, in that great patriarch's life and uh, kind of trying to figure out what he can teach us in our lives today. So last week, uh, we talked about the call of Abraham from Genesis chapter 12, and this week we're looking at an episode in Abraham's life that I'm calling The Negotiation. Are you good at negotiating? Some of you probably are, some of you maybe not. Um, I have a friend from college who is just a master at it. Uh, so, his family is from the Philippines. He's traveled back and forth there several times and, and he's learned uh, the art of bargaining. It's, it's quite impressive. There is one time uh, we were together on a choir trip over in Europe and we had just seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa and the beautiful church and baptistry there, and we, we came back outside the walls of the old city. And we were waiting for our bus, um, and at this place where all the buses would drop people off and pick them up, there were all these people, you know, peddling their wares to the unsuspecting tourists. And so uh, so this guy apparently, you know, saw Dominic, and something stood out about him. And so he comes up to him, and he, he offers him this, this hand-carved little black smoking pipe, which, which was really cool, uh, for something like 40 euros, uh, but... My friend, uh, who we'll call Dominic, because that's his name, um, <laughs> Dominic was even cooler. He um, he just kind of pretended like he wasn't interested, you know, like oh, you know, please don't bother me. And and the guy just like kept lowering the price as we were waiting there for our bus. Dominic kept like he'd look at me, and he was like, oh, that, yeah, oh, no, no, thank you, but no thanks. And the guy just kept going lower and lower and lower. And finally, our bus arrives and. Dominic is literally stepping on the bus. He's got one foot up on the step, and the guy's, you know, one last offer, and Dominic's like, okay. He reaches into his pocket, grabs some change, and says, this is all I have right now. If you'll take it, I'll take the pipe. And so the guy just very excitedly is like, oh, yes, 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 sir, and takes the money and and wraps up the pipe and hands it to Dominic, and he goes off in search of his next customer. Well, then Dominic gets on the bus. He's like, yes! (laughs) Yes! He wanted it really badly the whole time, but he was able to negotiate the guy down from 40 euros to about 40 cents or so, which is quite impressive. So when Emily and I went on a mission trip to Nicaragua on our vicarage, uh, we went to this marketplace, and I thought, you know, I'm going to put everything that Dominic has taught me to use. So this cross, um, which I am quite proud to say, now hangs in our home, caught my eye, and the asking price was 12 American dollars. So in the end, using every trick I could think of, you know, feigning disinterest, even walking away for a while, um, I was finally able to negotiate the seller all the way down, you guessed it, to 12 American (laughs) dollars. I'm about as good at negotiating as Michael Scott. Raise, but you have got to ask for fifteen. That's ridiculous. I'm never going to make. No, just I just need you to ask for it, so I can record that you asked for it. Okay. Ah, so all right, Levinson. Here's the rub. I would like a 15% raise. No, but we can offer you 12. But you just said 15. Negotiation is an art. It was really hard to pick which clip from that episode I wanted to share because they're all so good. That's pretty funny. Um, What's not so funny is that just as Michael Scott and I aren't really so good at the art of negotiation... Sometimes we, as Christians in general, uh, maybe even Lutherans in particular, haven't been all that skilled at the art of prayer. Uh, it was a huge emphasis for Martin Luther, but, but over the years, somehow we've lost that emphasis to, to the point where a first edition, uh, or the first edition of this book called Lutheranism 101, which, which was put out by our church body, meant to give you like the most essential parts of the Christian faith, uh, pretty much left prayer out altogether. They fixed it in the second edition. Uh, but it's maybe a little telling. Uh, Martin Luther has said that you cannot find a Christian without prayer, just as you cannot find a living man without a pulse. But if that's the case, why is prayer such a challenge for us? You know, in your insert here that I'll take the opportunity to point out to you again, uh, some stuff you can take with you uh, about the message, sermon outline on one side, stuff on the other. At the bottom, we always have this prayer challenge, and... The reason we call it a prayer challenge is that the prayer isn't really easy for most of us, is it? Maybe sometimes we don't truly believe that prayer is actually going to make a difference. You know, we figure that, that God already knows all of our thoughts and our needs anyway, so you know, why does he need us to tell him? Or maybe we kind of operate under the assumption that God God's almighty and all-powerful. He's going to do whatever he's going to do, uh, no matter what we, we really have to say about it. Well, today... Abraham's prayer that we just heard on behalf of Sodom challenges all of these notions. and has a lot to teach us. So, so let's take a look. On the one hand, the negotiation maybe isn't the best title for, for what Abraham does with God here. But, but in some ways, it certainly sounds like a negotiation, doesn't it? Abraham comes into the conversation with an idea of what he's looking for. He, he's able to gain God's ear, and, and somewhat surprisingly, maybe, He's able to convince God to reconsider his plans. God has decided to rain down destruction, you know, the proverbial fire and brimstone down on Sodom and these neighboring cities. And and that doesn't sit well with Abraham. And so Abraham intercedes. He steps in between these evil cities and the God who wants to destroy them. Now, the word intercede just, just literally means to go between And so Abraham does that, which is a little surprising because there was some history here. Um, Well, first of all, Abraham's nephew, Lot, lives in the city of Sodom with his family. So so Abraham's certainly concerned for their safety. But Lot really hadn't done a lot of of good for Abraham in a long time. First of all, when they decided to split up, Abraham gave him the choice of where he wanted to go, and Lot chose the, the much better land And then later on, uh, Lot, along with the people of Sodom, were all conquered and and kidnapped for a while and needed Abraham to come with his men and rescue them. And so he goes and does that. And the the king of Sodom is one of the people also that Abraham rescues in that operation. And uh, right after that, the the king tries to cheat Abraham out of a bunch of stuff that he has. So there's really not much in it for Abraham here at all. But he still steps in. Some 2,000 years or so before Jesus would preach that that we should pray for our enemies, Abraham is is here doing just that. Abraham is teaching us to intercede. So what about you? Who in your life is in need of your prayers? Are you aware of somebody whose actions are, are inviting God's wrath upon themselves? Maybe it's even somebody that you consider an enemy. Could you pray for their heart to be changed, for God to spare them for the sake of Jesus, for, for his Holy Spirit to transform their hearts and, and save their lives? After all, God says he desires all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth, So hold God to his word. That's the next thing that Abraham teaches us to do in prayer, to appeal to God's character, to hold him to his promises. Learning of God's plan of destruction for Sodom, Abraham says to him, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Abraham knew that, that God was holy and, and righteous and good and just. And, and in his view, the plan that God has shared with him was not consistent with God's character. So Abraham lets him know that. He knows that it's impossible for God to disregard the righteous, and so he appeals to God's character and pleads for fairness. Did you do that? Is there anything happening in your life right now or happening in this community or in our state or in our country or in the world to which you can cry out to God for justice? I just learned from a fellow pastor a few days ago that one out of every six pregnancies in the state of Michigan ends in abortion. Can you cry out to God about that that injustice? Bring it before his ears? You know, when you see people being mistreated or or taken advantage of or dealt with unfairly, you should step in. You should stand up for them. And as, as you do that, certainly don't forget to bring the situation before God. To his character, cry out for justice. God is good and just, holy and righteous. I think maybe sometimes the the reason we hesitate to do this is because we don't feel that we really have the right. You know, God is God. Who, Who am I to question him? Well, true enough. That's why Abraham is also teaching us here to pray with humility. Our key verse for today is verse 27. Uh, can we read this together? Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Now that phrase is, is kind of poetic in Hebrew, uh, dust and ashes. It's afar va'efer. So when we come before God, we, we should always do so, recognizing that we are afar va'efer. We are, we are but dust and ashes. We must always recognize that prayer is is a privilege God gives us, not something that that we're entitled to of ourselves. Contrary to to how we may tend to view this episode between Abraham and God, and and kind of even contrary to my sermon title, Abraham doesn't approach this really as a negotiation. He doesn't come from a position of power, and he doesn't really have any leverage. All of the leverage that you might say he does have are, are based on the character of God and his mercy and his grace. And so he doesn't try to manipulate God. He knows that he can't. He's not really even trying to strike a deal with him. He's just coming before him in humility. So should we. But coming before God with humility doesn't mean that that we cower before him in, in silence. If the prayer of Abraham teaches us anything, it's to pray with persistence. Abraham starts by asking God if he'll spare the city of 50 righteous people Are found there. And over the course of the conversation, he makes six requests, getting to the point where God says he will spare the whole city for the sake of ten righteous people. Abraham remains respectful, but but resolute, deferential, but determined. Abraham refuses to give up until he knows that he's been heard and that God has answered him. Like the man in our gospel reading who who wouldn't leave his friend alone until he gave him some bread, Abraham teaches us never to give up. In our prayer life, it's important to recognize that, that our persistence doesn't offend God. It pleases him. Martin Luther says, We should be positively obtrusive, unabashed, and endlessly persistent before God because our Lord God likes such importunate people who confidently continue on and will not be turned away. And, you know, Luther said a lot of things, and he, he pretty much put everything that he said into practice. There was this time where um, Philip Melanchthon, who was Luther's really close friend and kind of his Reformation sidekick, uh, got deathly ill. And so Luther just started praying night and day without stopping, demanding that God heal him. And, and God did. And so Luther re- reflected on this later, and he wrote this. There, our Lord God had to give in to me, for I threw down the sack before his door and rubbed into his ears all his promises that he would hear prayer, which I could enumerate from scripture, saying that he would have to hear me if I were to trust his promises. Luther prayed with persistence. and He prayed with confidence. And Abraham does too. Abraham doesn't just, you know, kind of, toss up his prayers hoping that, that they'll stick or land somewhere and, and be heard by, by someone or some God somewhere out there. Now Abraham speaks to God as a friend. He has confidence that he is heard because he has confidence in the relationship that he has with God. He, he relies on God's covenant of love and faithfulness to know that God is listening, and to know that he will answer him. And, and if Abraham is able to do that, How much more can we, how much more should we, we who have been made children of God by the death and the resurrection of Jesus and now have God himself dwelling inside us by his spirit, how can we not constantly and confidently speak to him about everything on our heart? And just just think, what a God we have. What a blessing to, to know that when we pray to him, We're not just throwing a Hail Mary pass down the field hoping that that somebody will catch it. We have God's ear. We can depend on him. In this exchange that we're looking at today, God demonstrates his reliability. He's not this capricious deity that that acts recklessly and, and randomly. We're not in the hands of this unstable force, but we are in the hands of God whose promises are certain and who is who has justice and righteousness that are, that are just beyond dispute. And that reliable rock of a God also shows us his eagerness to hear and to answer us. Despite how we sometimes feel, prayer is, is not a vain or a false exercise. You know, maybe you've heard people say that, that prayer doesn't exist to change God, it exists to change us. Well, it, it does exist to change us, but, but that's not all. God promises that he will actually listen, that your input matters to him. God is a relational God. He's not some far-off deity that that has his plan already going, and it's unaffected by our prayers. He's a good father. He's like a dad whose kids know what rules and what promises are indisputable and will never change, but they also know they can ask good things of him. He will respond favorably, even if his prior plans may not have included specific request. Incidentally, that's why things like the sacraments are so important. You know, today we witnessed Annabelle's baptism. That that wasn't some, you know, religious rite for the sake of tradition. It was the God of of all of heaven and all of earth coming down and and calling her his child. And and that's what he's done for each one of us. You know, today we saw, saw water in the word and And this, you know, kind of beat up acrylic stand and this metal bowl and these, you know, imperfect human hands work the the wonders of God, this miraculous um, gift that he gives to us. This is who God is. This is what he's done. God was enacting his promises to Annabelle and promising that he will always listen to her prayers. In our baptism, we experienced the beginning of a real relationship. God listens to us, both when, when we are able to speak our prayers with eloquent words, and when the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words, and everything in between. And when I think of my own life, uh, several instances in particular come to mind where God showed me just beyond a shadow of a doubt that he had answered my prayers. Um, I wrote this all out, and I, I was like, oh, if I say all of this, we'll, you know, my sermon will be like 35 minutes long, and... Most people will like that, but there might be a couple that wouldn't. So, so I'm just going to share one with you today. Um, there might, I might include one next week too. But uh, this one comes from when we were getting ready to close on our house. Um, all sorts of factors kind of seem to indicate there could be some issues with the appraisal or with the loan or all of that whole thing. And we had no idea what any, if it was about anyway. Um, so while we're kind of nervously awaiting word as to what's going to happen, uh, I'm sitting at a pastor's meeting and my cell phone rings, and I see it's the credit union. so I excuse myself and, and walk down uh, to my office. And like right as I get into my office, I'm talking on, on the phone and finding out that everything has gone through smoothly, and, and we're going to, you know, be moving into our house really soon. Um, as I'm doing that on my cell phone, my office phone rings, which I of course, don't answer, because I'm on the phone here, and there's a meeting, and so I just let that go to voicemail. Well then as I continue talking, my phone vibrates. In my hand, uh, there's a text message, and I'm like, wow, everybody wants to talk to me all of a sudden, and so I finish talking to, to the, the representative from the credit union with the really good news, and um, I hang up, and I'm just rejoicing, and I can't wait to tell Emily, and I check my text message, and it's from a friend of ours from seminary, and the text said something to the effect of, hey, man, I just wanted you to know that, that Chelsea and I have been praying all day for you and, and the whole housing thing. We hope it you know, goes through. Because they knew we were going to hear sometime that week. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. So I go back to the pastor's meeting, and it's over pretty pretty shortly thereafter. I go back to my office, and I check the voicemail, and it was from a member of this congregation uh, saying, Hey, pastor is just calling to let you know that, uh, you know, my wife and I have been praying really hard today uh, that everything works out with your house. I uh, just wanted to let you know that. So uh, it, was, it was like God, you know, Not only answering my prayers, but wanting to make absolutely certain that I knew uh, that he was hearing the prayers not only of Emily and and myself, but of of the people who were praying on our behalf, just all at once. Um, It was a pretty powerful moment. As you think of your own life, I'm sure that uh, you can think of a few experiences like that, maybe some really, really big ones, uh, maybe some smaller ones. But No matter what, never ever doubt that God will keep his promises to hear and to answer us if we will just be willing to take him up on it. Because God's full of mercy. Our God is full of undeserved grace and this incredible mercy. And that same mercy that he demonstrated to Abraham, he demonstrates to us. Now, even though Sodom was still destroyed because there weren't even ten righteous people to be found there, Still, God mercifully rescued Lot and his family. God may not always do exactly as we desire or request, but he always does what is most beneficial for us. God takes our petitions and improves on them and then answers them, giving us that which is far better than ever we could have asked or imagined. When Abraham prayed for the pardon of Sodom, he he didn't get exactly what he was looking for, but he did receive God's good will and true justice. When Jesus prayed in Gethsemane for the Father to take away this cup of suffering, he didn't get exactly what he asked for, but he did receive God's good will and justice. Sodom was not spared, though it would have been for the sake of ten righteous men. But you and I have been spared, not for our sakes. For the sake of one righteous man, the only righteous man, because Jesus prayed for and then enacted the Father's will, now all things truly do work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So let us who are but dust and ashes approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. Find grace to help in our time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, uh, we'll be continuing our Abraham series. We're gonna talk about the the promise that God gives to Abraham. It's a pretty big, kind of unwieldy promise almost. We're gonna focus in on the promise of a son in Isaac. So hope you can join us. I know many of you will be over at the church uh, for the, the heritage service. So if that's you, maybe... Uh, Catch up on the message online or something afterwards. But uh, wherever you're going to be, may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.